You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you hear the ATL, you know it's time for another Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Today's episode, we're going to recap Atlanta United's 2-1 to win against Charlotte in the first ever meeting between the two Southeastern neighbors. If you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'd very much appreciate you rating the podcast and sharing it with all of your friends. So, as I said, Atlanta United defeated Charlotte 2-1 in a very, very exciting game because the game winner came in the final seconds of stoppage time, which uh, all Atlanta United supporters can thank Alan Franco for because of the two injuries he picked up in the second half, which added so much time after the 90 minutes. So to quickly summarize the game, Atlanta United, I think, dominated most of the first half until the final eight minutes. And then Charlotte kind of switched to a man-to-man press, and it befuddled Atlanta United. It gave Charlotte control. Charlotte had two really good scoring chances near the end of the half. Couldn't capitalize on either. Second half starts. Charlotte again is dominating the game. Atlanta United can't quite solve this man-to-man thing. Manager Gonzalo Pineda makes two subs. He brings in Marcelino Moreno, former designated player, brings in Diego Almada, new designated player, making his debut. And as soon as they walk on the field, Alan Franco hits a gorgeous long ball into space down the right for Brooks Lennon to run onto. He is brought down, penalty, Joseph Martinez, right-footed in the lower left corner, first goal of the season to give Atlanta United a 1-0 lead. But because this is Atlanta United, and nothing is easy over the past couple of years. Six minutes later, the team gives up a set-piece goal. Uh, Adam Armour scores the very first goal in Charlotte history, header into the corner. Brad Guzan probably could have done a little bit better with it. I, I don't know. Everything happened so fast on a corner. But Armour was unmarked. It's the third goal that Lenny United has given up on set-pieces by my count in three games. That is not good. So, some more subs are made. Jake Mulraney comes in, making his debut this season. I think Mulraney, he doesn't want to be a super sub, which we'll hear from in a bit, but his speed against the tired defense is outstanding. Marcelino Moreno hits a pass of the year from probably about 60 yards across the field uh, in total distance. Goes just over Charlotte defender's head. Jake Mulraney runs onto it, gets into the penalty box, cuts back to his left, hits a left-footed shot, 
goes off the back of Christian McCoon into the goal. It was very, very much like the Dom Dwyer goal uh, against Sporting Kansas City in the first season, other than the deflection. But the, the sequencing was very, very similar. That happened in the 96th minute. Atlanta United wins the game, improves to 2-0 at home, which is very important. It will host Montreal on Saturday. So some quick thoughts about the game. Uh, well, first, actually, let's hold off on my quick thoughts about the game, and let's hear what Gonzalo Pineda says about the comeback. The reaction from my team is what I love. Is the reaction, the players impacting uh, the game from uh, the bench. I think that was a massive positive. And also the reaction from my players with the heart, with the passion, with the intensity, winning duels, winning tackles, and sending messages here and there, but also continue playing. I think that's what we saw at the end of the game. And, and well, I think it's a good reward for the team, that goal from Jake Morani to, to win the game. So that was... Pineda's talked about that fight uh, quite a few times, and it's something that Atlanta United hasn't always had. I've shared their stat about giving up winning positions or, or tying positions after the 75th minute last season ad nauseum. So now uh, they rallied to get a win uh, from a, a drawing position, and that is, that's a good start for the club. Worrisome for the club is the set pieces, which I talked about. That is three goals in three games the team has given up from set pieces now I think it may be two in three games um Sporting Kansas City scored on a corner kick Charlotte has scored on a corner kick this is a problem going back to last season Pineda kind of took some of the blame because I he intimated that when he brought the two subs in it might have messed up the zonal marking assignments on the corner kick it looked to me like Mateus Ozetu just got beat and Alan Franco was kind of in space. But when you're zonal marking, you're going to be in space. But here's Pineda's thoughts about the set pieces. Well, I cannot deny it's a little bit of a concern because so far we've been considering some goals. But at the same time, I felt that we were very good in most of those. And it was probably, you know, the adjustments when, you know, the substitutions, Marcelino and Thiago coming on, and then right away there's a corner. And then, you know, maybe they didn't have time to pass really the adjustments in, in that set piece. So, yeah, maybe we as, as coaches, we take blame for that. Maybe we were not as clear as, as, as needed. But we will obviously continue working on that. I think there are a lot of improvements. I think on that regard, I think there are many, many positives. But obviously, we took a goal, so we need to reflect on that and, and, and work more. The other positive, uh, kind of bouncing between things right now, is Joseph Martinez. Um, he got his goal. He could have gotten two to three more, but Charlotte's goalkeeper just stoned him time after time. He had a great game to Charlotte's goalkeeper, so much so that Joseph swapped jerseys with him after the game, he even shook his hand once during the game, applauded him after another start or another stop. But Joseph was getting into good positions. He was scoring. You could argue that in the first two games, he really only got into a scoring position once and he flubbed the chance. Uh, so this was a very, very good sign for him and the team. Uh, Andrew Gutman was very involved in the offense. He, he got stoned by Charlotte's goalkeeper with a kick save on what could have been a goal. Brooks Lennon was very involved. It was, a, it was a very good performance. I'm assuming most of y'all want to hear about Tiago Almada making his debut. He came on around the 56th minute. Really didn't impact the game, but that's okay because you have to remember that he's only really trained with the team for maybe a week. He arrived when the team was in Mexico, played against Chivas. I think immediately that Super Bowl Sunday flew back to Argentina to start working on his visa only returned to the team 
last Thursday, had one full training session, and then came off the bench and just to get the experience. Um, here's Gonzalo Pineda talking about Almada's debut. Tiago, uh, I'm, I'm still more conservative maybe on that and, and let's see how I can progress him into 90 minutes player because he will be for sure. But I have to be careful on how I manage his, his minutes so he has the right path for success. So I don't think you're going to see Almeida coming on as a starter against Montreal on Saturday. I think you're going to see him continue to be integrated into the team. He needs to learn the tactics. He needs to learn the defensive responsibilities on set pieces, things like that. You saw one moment in the game that I think shows a little bit of what Almeida can bring. He was surrounded by, I think, like four Charlotte defenders, kept the ball, kept the play alive until he got it to a teammate, I think. Um, It was a very nice little play. He's a very skillful player. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, Y'all just, you know, I would preach patience um, on his behalf. So now let's hear from the game winner, Jake Mulraney, talking about his role as a super sub. To be honest, it's not a role that I want, you know. I don't want to be that guy coming off the bench. I want to be playing. I want to be starting. I want to be I want to be giving the manager headaches. I want to be putting my name out there so that I can start, you know. But I have to earn that. I have to I have to do things like I did today. I have to do even more, you know. I, I can't just do it now and then be quiet for a few games. I need to keep doing it and giving the manager headaches. So that's not Mulraney whining about not starting. That is him owning that he has to do more. And he has an opportunity now. With Luis Araujo's hamstring injury, um, he can challenge Brooks Lennon starting on the right wing um, or on the left wing. He can do either one, um, depending upon what Pineda wants, if he wants them to be kind of inverted wingers or whatever. Uh, I think Mulraney's a solid player. I think whenever he plays, he makes things happen. He just has to do it consistently. And he said that in the preseason. He said the season he wants to score more goals. He wants to get more assists. This was his third goal, I think, for the team since he joined before the 2020 season. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, again, Mulraney's a, a good player uh, in MLS, and I think he could do things. But he just, as he said, has to do them consistently. We also got to talk to Ozzy Alonso. Uh, catching all up quickly on the 36-year-old veteran, he flew with the team. To Colorado for last week's game and then uh, had to fly back after consulting with team cardiologists because something they found on a test it was precautionary all the team would say was that it was precautionary we didn't really know what was going on and, and we asked and asked and and nobody wanted to say I can understand that you don't talk about people's health HIPAA violations and things like that unless you're granted permission to but Ozzy explained that he has an enlarged heart it was discovered while he was a player for Seattle. He looks like he, it sounds like he goes through annual tests for that. And I guess they did one of the annual tests and something came back that maybe was unexpected. So he went for more tests in Boston and New Jersey. He was cleared by an MLS cardiologist, the team cardiologist, and an independent cardiologist. So he came on and played 90 minutes on Sunday, played well again, kind of marshaled the midfield, controlled the middle of the field. And his two starts... The team has won both games. But here's Alonzo explaining what happened with his heart. I went to Colorado and they come to me and say that you have to stop playing because you have to check my heart a little bit more. So after that, come back, went to New Jersey, Boston to a lot of tests and, you know, happy to be back and everything was good. So that's why I played today. Do you, 
it sounds macabre, but did you have a, a, a greater appreciation for getting to play today after having to have your heart looked at and that kind of a scare? Yeah, but like I say, we do all the tests and everything go right and, you know, we went, like I say, Boston, New Jersey, do all the tests, a lot of tests, come back, start training. You know, like I say, happy to be back on the field. More important for me to be safe. And, you know, like I say, I'm here. Uh, I decided to be play a game because it was just a little scared for me playing a lot of years and they gave me this new, but I'm very excited to be in the pitch again and, you know, happy to be play again. You know, we're supposed to be, reporters are supposed to be dispassionate and objective, but I will say that it is good to see Alonso back on the field. Um, you never want to hear about a heart scare with anyone. Um, and he always seems like a good guy. Not that that should make a giant difference in you wishing someone good health and, and fortune, but it was good to see him back on the field. Okay, this is Doug Robertson. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're going to head to a break. When we come back out, we're going to answer questions from y'all. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. I'm going to enjoy a sip of coffee, and I'll talk to you again in just a few seconds. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com. All right, we're back. Before we get into the mailbag, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this most excellent podcast. If you subscribe today... You will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC, that means it's not limited. You can look at anything. And the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week. As Jay said last week, it's a cost of half a gallon of gas. But we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. And it's been cold enough, you need a scarf bundle up. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf for all your news about Atlanta United, the Hawks, the Bulldogs, the Braves are back with baseball, with millionaires and billionaires complaining about pennies, equivalent, see, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia State playing in the NCAA tournament, going to beat Gonzaga out in Portland, upset of the century, although we're only 22 years into the century, 23 years, I guess, depending upon how you do the math. Your local news, your arts, your business, $2.30 a week. Goodness gracious, that's a bargain. All right, on to the mailbag. Pedophallus, doctor, nice guy, frequent contributor to the mailbag, says this. As always, thanks for the great work, Doug. Thank you for reading. Not sure if you noticed the king pass across the field from Almada. 
It was after the Mulraney goal, very similar to the assist by Moreno. The play made me think that Almeida will be a better passer than Barco. How come we don't have more of those across-the-field passes like we saw at the end of the game? Are we going to see Moreno and Almeida swap that creative center mid position, or will Almeida be played at the right wing? Maybe interesting to swap them positions during the game. Dr. Fallis wishes you a wonderful day. Yeah, uh, I did see that pass. It was a very nice pass. The the um, Those are a little bit tricky passes because if you don't hit it, the other team likely has a counter coming down your weaker side because you've got more players on the one side than on the receiving side. That's why you don't see that too often. I think that Pineda would like to see a little bit more of that. More importantly, he wants to see quicker passing. Don't pass, trap, put your foot on the ball, look around. He wants the ball to move. He wants the players to move. You did see Moreno and Almeida swap at center mid, uh, going from left wing, center mid, and back. Those two, I think you'll see a little bit more of that, particularly once Almeida kind of gets used to everything and gets integrated, to use Pineda's word, into the team, learns his teammates, learn their tendencies. I don't think you're going to see Almeida on the right wing, which is your question. He'll he'll likely be on the left wing or attacking midfield or swapping with Moreno, just depending upon the situation. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Adam says... What can Atlanta do to help with set-piece defending? Apart from the central defenders, this is a short team that often plays that way. Yeah, you're right. It is a short team. Uh, This has kind of been a joke for a few years, even going back to Tata in defending set-pieces because guys like Michael Parker weren't the tallest. Set-piece defending is all about just really determination and communication. You can't let your guy, to use a, a football term, blocking term, get across your face. If he gets across your face, that means he's in front of you and he's got in a position to win the ball. So that's the first thing you've got to do is, is not let him get across your face. Then if he does, you got to communicate. you got to tell someone, hey, pick him up, pick him up, or, or whatever. Now, whose responsibility is that? A lot of it's the goalkeeper, but he's trying to watch the ball. And a lot of it's just the player himself. Huzetu lost his man. I don't know. We can't hear in the press box what's going on down there. But the guy got a free free header and he took advantage of it. It was very similar to the goal Atlanta United scored in the first half that was called off for a pick by Joseph. But if you go back and watch it, I'm still not sure that that was a pick, and I'm not sure how it impacted Gutman's goal. But anyway, coffee sip. Adam continues. Past opponents have eyed the midfield as key to stopping the Stripes' attack, and today was no exception, especially when Wolf and Huzetu had the ball. How much of Atlanta struggles with midfield pressure is a matter of the personnel on the pitch right now versus opponents trying to counter Pineda's system. So um, the, the press did cause Atlanta United trouble, mostly because it was kind of a man-to-man thing. It wasn't a zonal press. But I don't. I thought that Sadich had a good game in the middle of the field. Um, he was very tidy on the ball, things like that. You have to rely on your teammates to move to get open and get into space. If no one is moving then it's difficult to, to beat a press. Um, and if you don't have somebody who's going to try to beat someone one-on-one, and Atlanta United doesn't really have a lot of those guys just yet, that also makes it difficult. But we'll see what Montreal does. Montreal is struggling. It's going to have a Champions League game middle of the week. It's going to be a tired team coming into Saturday. It got hammered last weekend because of tired legs. So I don't know if they're going to have the energy to press. I think they're likely going to be a bunkering team and playing for a draw. Fong asks, hey, Doug, why can't we win a single header? Well, you did. Come on. A little bit of exaggeration, but I understand what you mean. Again, it's, it's like anything else. It's just desire. It's, it's positioning. It's spacing. It's timing. 
And Atlanta is a short team, so that makes it a little more difficult. Ben says, your hate on Marino for reasons that aren't clear to me, but you can thank him for creating the game winner smiley face. I don't hate Marino. I've simply said that at times he dribbles way too much, and you saw that in the second half of the game. He did dribble way too much and lost the ball. But he is also capable of bits of, of magic, like the game-winning assist. Um, I just think he needs to do a little more passing and a little less dribbling. He's got the skill. He's got the desire. I think he enjoys playing under Pineda. Um, and so it'll happen. Just give him some time. But he's the key to being that central attacking midfielder, which will let Joseph not have to drop back so often to receive the ball and then have to get back down the field. If you look at the uh, – I was looking at the game stats last night – and the new stat pack that MLS provides includes like average position of touch on the field. And Brooks Lennon actually had a higher average position of touch than Joseph Martinez. And I don't think that's what you want if you're Gonzalo Pineda. You want Martinez's average touch to be as close to the opponent's goal as possible. So we'll see what happens. Nick says, how did you feel about the play of Moreno and Almada today? Were there any other positives to take away from today's match? Thanks, and I hope you enjoyed your press box ice cream. You know that I did. It is fantastic. It is the highlight of every game. It's the highlight of my week. Uh, no, I thought Moreno and Almeida, as I said before, played well. Um, I'm excited to see them get more minutes together, try to build chemistry with Joseph, with Gutman, with Alonzo or Sosa, whomever starts uh, as the defensive midfielder. It's going to be fun. I, I think it's got a lot of potential to do some really, really cool things. Um, the other positives, Jake Mulraney coming on, scoring. Um, I thought George Campbell played well. He was brave with the ball. He lost it one time. And that almost got Atlanta United in trouble. But I'd rather see players attempting that than, than just being passive. Andrew Gutman had a, had a really good game. I thought Sadich played well. Alan Franco, I think, struggled a little bit again. Um, but, again, without his injuries, there's not enough stoppage time for Mulraney to hit that goal. So, indirectly, Atlanta United owes the win to him. He hit the pass to Brooks Lennon that won the penalty for Joseph Martinez's first goal. I thought Joseph played well. There were a lot of positives from today's match. Okay, now wrapping up the mailbag portion. Will says, it looked like Franco was lost in space on Charlotte's goal today. That came after a bad showing against Sporting Kansas City. How close are we to a Campbell-Robinson-CB pairing? You know, it's a good question, and it wouldn't surprise me if Robinson and Campbell aren't paired together next week against Montreal. Um, I thought Franco struggled defensively at times again. His offense isn't the question. It's it's marking on set pieces. It's sometimes his decision-making. Again, he hardly played in the preseason or he played with the second team, so he's still getting his legs back, his game instincts back too. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see Campbell and Robinson paired together for the final game. All right. I want to remind you all again that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but you're also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. And if you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Please rate, please share, please subscribe. This is your host, Doug Robertson. Find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This is Southern Fried Soccer, Atlanta United 2-1 winners against Charlotte. 
The team will play Montreal on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Look for a preview podcast to come out probably Saturday morning, maybe Friday morning, depending upon what availability is this week. We don't know quite yet when Atlanta United manager Gonzalo Pineda is going to offer his thoughts on the game. All right, y'all take care. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.